Hey, you guys. We're so glad to have a special guest with us, Mr. Brooks Huntley. I know you guys you may have not heard of this name before, but you need to look him up because he is not only a talented guy, but he has a great heart. And I found his music actually a few months ago and just get an opportunity to listen to him and learn more about him. He definitely is someone who I've become a huge fan of. He was born in Texas and growing up in Austin, Texas, he started to soak in a lot of the culture of the music and he gained a big following as it relates to different artists that he's been able to be influenced by. And he learned how to even play the piano from his grandfather. Um, and he started to develop a love for singing and songwriting at the tender age of 11. And since 11 years old, he has never looked back. One thing I love about him is that in playing in different stages and, and across the globe, and I think like when we know about being across the country and sharing his music, he's been able to hone his craft of singing and songwriting. And the one thing that he's been able to do is living in Nashville, Tennessee, is solidifying his own unique spot in the world of country music. And he's also been able to have a modern turn and swing as it relates to songwriting. Um, one thing I love about music is being able to give your all and share from your heart and your soul. And I think Brooks has done a really good job of just being authentic and being himself. And I am so glad, Brooks, to have you here as a guest on Black Canvas. I'm really, really glad to be here, man. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm just glad that you're here. And you guys, y'all know sometimes I get a little tongue-tied, not too often. But when I definitely talk to someone who I admire and who I think is someone who has a great career ahead of him, you know, it can sometimes be hard. But I'm just so glad that you're here and you're... <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. No problem, Brooks. And so, Brooks, I want to kind of go straight into some of these questions. So I'm going to hit him with a hard one first, you guys. Yeah. So let's talk right. about first time. Mm -hmm. All right. So when was the first time you fell in love? Man, uh, there's two different answers to that. I would say there's the first time I fell in puppy dog love. And then puppy dog love plus is the secondary category. Because uh, I don't know if I've fallen in real love yet. I don't know if that's a real thing that I've experienced yet. I don't know if you know that until way down the line. But I know I've fallen in love in puppy dog love. And uh, the puppy dog love was this little girl when I was a little boy uh, named Jewel. And I think she was, we were probably in preschool. And I remember I just rode the bus with her. Never spoke to her once, but I had a huge crush on her. And that was my first puppy dog love. And then uh the second one was a little bit later down the line, probably about 15 years later, a girl down the street that I ended up chasing and falling in love with and dating for a few years and ultimately getting my heart broken and, you know, the whole story. But it was probably uh, two different times over, about 15 years apart. Wow. I have never heard of Puppy Dog Love Plus. <laughs> Neither have I. I think I just made that up out of absolute nowhere. But well, you've got a copyright there, Brooks. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the first time I heard it, but that actually makes sense. I mean, it, it actually goes into my next part of your first kiss and first heartbreak. So you've kind of talked about your first heartbreak. But do you remember your first kiss? Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember my first kiss because I get made fun of for it for uh, to this day by my group of friends that I still have back in my hometown. Anytime I go back for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> There's a girl that lived down the street from me that I'd been friends with my whole life. A different girl, not the one that I ended up falling in love with. Um, but I was about to move to Los Angeles when I was a kid. 
uh, I think when I was going in my eighth grade year and I was going to be an actor in Los Angeles and that was kind of the plan. And I was talking to this girl that I was friends with and I told her one day, you know, I'm about to move to LA and be an actor and I've never had my first kiss. I was probably 13 at the time. And uh, I was like, I don't want my first kiss to be on screen. I feel like that would be bad. I think my first kiss should be right now with you. And for some reason she felt for that and that worked out for me um, in the short term. Cause in the long term, I've been made fun of for it relentlessly over and over and over again. Cause I never had an on-screen kiss. That was just me trying to kiss a girl when I was 13. That is funny. So what did they make fun of Brooks as it relates to the kiss? <laughs> there, it was such a pathetic, just like attempt to try to get a first kiss. I was like, yeah, I don't want my first kiss to be on screen, so it should probably be right here, huh? Like, that makes sense. And she went with it for some reason. Well, Brooks, it wasn't pathetic. You got the kiss. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, I like that attitude. I should bring you with me next time they're taunting me. Yeah, I mean, you tell them, uh, when was your first kiss? Probably never. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, I mean, that's the pickup line. It worked. I mean, it, nah, it would have been something if you had said it and shit, but like, uh, no, I'm not kissing you. Like, that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been even worse. Yeah, you'd be like, man, the first kiss didn't even go well, and I got rejected, man. But (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's talk about your first time hearing your song on the radio. Have you heard your song on the radio before? Um, At this point, it's only been internet radio. I I haven't heard any major radio play other than one local radio station in my hometown does play my music pretty regularly. Um, And I do remember getting to hear that for the first time. I I was probably 17 when I heard – one of my songs on the radio for the first time. And this was an older song that you can't even find anymore, but they played it on this local broadcast. And that was a huge deal to me because we had a show that night, me and my band that I was in high school and everybody showed up that night. We sold out this little uh, cafe in my downtown square in Georgetown, Texas. Um, That was a special night to this day though. That's the only uh, terrestrial radio play I've gotten, but we're, uh, we're moving in the right direction. I would think. I think we are. I mean, the idea that many people are going to find you online, hopefully after this interview, I'm hoping, I mean, I want you to keep pushing it. And, you know, the great thing is marketing. It's about making connections and genuine connections with people because we never know who's listening, who's there, what they can show us, what they can provide as far as marketing tools. And who knows, maybe one of my guests that have actually listened to Black Canvas for a while. Maybe some of those guests may want to collaborate with you in the future. So we just never know. That's why we do these things, right? That's that's the reason I'm in Nashville, because that's what it's like on the streets of Nashville every single day. You never know who you're talking to, what's going on. It's it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just all in one city. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Now, what about your first fear that you remember? Is there a fear that stands out to you that that maybe you've held on to or maybe that you worked through? Man, you're not not messing around with these questions. No, I ain't gonna mess around with you. I got you on first time. Definitely got to hit you with some good ones. My first fear, I think, uh, probably my first fear was it had to have been the dark. I remember be. I know that sounds really cliche, and every kid was afraid of the dark, but there was something about the dark when I was a kid that just really didn't do it for me. Which is funny because it's the exact opposite now. Now I can't sleep unless it's absolute pitch black. But when I was a kid, I hated any room that didn't have at least a little bit of light in it. And I can't remember exactly why that freaked me out. I just remember that it was not something I was a big fan of. I mean, that's a 
for sure. I mean, one I think of, my biggest fear was fear of heights. I am deadly afraid of heights. So when I'm like too high up or somewhere, like I can almost go into panic attack almost because I, I, I have to control it the best I can. But yeah, yeah, I do not like. And if someone says look down, like you're not about to see me look at anything. So <laughs> that's not going to work for me. But yeah, like I was. Do you ever watch those videos online of people doing uh, like free climbing buildings and things like that? I saw one and, and the person fell off and died. I was like, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, there was a guy who was um doing one of those, and he was taking a picture, and then he fell and died. I was like, see, this is why I don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I never watched one of those. I watched the ones where they make it down alive, but it still scares the crap out of me to watch it. Yeah, no, I got – when I, it was in 2003, I was traveling to Orlando, and I was a part of this um, – tell you how nerdy I was. I was in a Honda Campus All-Star Quiz Bowl team. So, like, <laughs> it was something funny. It helped pay for my college, so that was even better. But we traveled to Orlando, Florida, and so going there it was fine, but we had to end up taking a Delta flight back, and we were in a smaller plane, and it had really bad weather going back to New Orleans, and mm. the entire time, like, the turbulence was bad, and I was about to lose my mind. And so after that experience, I told God, I'm like, if you get me off this plane, I don't want to ever get on one anytime soon, and I really... I've not been on a flight since 2003. So like that was the last time I've been on a flight. Uh, so that's a little tidbit for my listeners. It's not that I will never do it again, but it just, I don't even remember. They've done so many changes with flights and stuff since then. I mean, it's been almost close to 20 years. So it's just, it's just weird. But Man. I mean, that was a huge fear of mine. I mean, that plane was shaking. And this is, remember, this is also two years after Leah passing away. And I'm like, and the, the the twin towers, and I was like, "This is not feeling good mm-hmm. for me." So I was like, I was very nervous, but yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't want to get too off topic, but I have a story to that too. Um, mm-hmm. There was a a thing that I did back a few years ago. Do you know the artist Mike Posner? Oh yeah, I like him. Yeah, so he did this thing like three years ago called Amr Fati Music Academy, uh, and it was basically just a thing where he was trying to mentor some younger artists and and help some younger people out. And he accepted five artists after a bunch of applications. And I ended up getting the honor to go out and be a part of that. And basically what he did was he flew us out to Telluride, Colorado, and gave us like a week in this place up in the mountains to hang out and make music and meditate and all sorts of cool things like that and just learn. And on the way back from this trip, we had to fly in this little puddle jumper plane from Telluride to, I guess, Denver, if I'm remembering that correctly. It was like a really short flight in a really small plane. And I was telling everybody on the plane right before we took off, kind of jokingly, but sort of serious too. I was like, man, I've always felt like if I die young, I'm going to die in a plane crash. And sure enough, we almost didn't clear a mountain. And we hit so much turbulence that this entire plane almost went down. And it was pilot actually turned around and told us, like, we need to start shifting weight because we might not clear this mountain. And everybody on the plane, including Mike, was looking at me like I had signed their death warrant or something like that. Um, and we made it through somehow, but it was absolutely horrifying. I don't, I don't mind big planes now, but I don't think I could do a small plane like that ever again. Well, I thank God that you made it out alive. I mean, that I'm telling you, I've never felt that way. And then I had one of my um, 
you know, the participants who was on our team, she, the reason we ended up taking another flight, I don't blame her. I mean, it was nothing we could do. She went into a full panic attack because they showed like these, they had crosses that were out there, like near the runway part, which I don't know why that was the weirdest thing. And so she really was getting nervous and she literally started crying and said, she, I'm not getting on. So we were supposed to have to get on another flight. And so while we were waiting, you know, the funniest thing was um, In Vogue was performing at the actual All-Star thing. And then Petey Pablo, if you've heard of him, he was actually in the, <laughs> the airport. So I had fallen asleep because I was tired. It's, we had that 12-hour layover that we had to wait for the next flight. And like literally, I miss Petey Pablo and In Vogue, like literally walking through because they woke me up later and said, oh, you missed them. We took pictures and everything. I'm like, really? I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'll never forget that. So if In Vogue or Petey Pablo are listening, which I doubt they were, but if they ever do, like that was one of the funniest things. I was like, so not only did I have a bad flight, but then I miss, at that time, Petey Pablo was like really popular. So it was just like, man, are you kidding me? This is crazy. Man, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's 2003, man. That's uh, that's a long time. Maybe you need to take a 20 year anniversary flight. Yeah, I I probably be on Final Destination six by then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have one more first time for you. Um, when was your first song that you wrote? Do you remember the first time you wrote a song? I do remember it. I I can't remember what it was, but I remember uh, getting really excited about playing a song. I I was about 11 years old and I went upstairs. I, I had just gotten my first acoustic guitar because I had an electric first and played that for a little while. was playing the acoustic guitar, strumming out some chords. And I came downstairs and played a song that had something to do with a girl that I had a crush on in middle school or elementary school, whatever I was at the time. And I played it for my dad and he was really kind about it and, and also really honest about it and telling me that it was not good. He was like, this is, uh, this is great that you wrote a song, buddy, but this is not a good song. And you're going to have to work really hard if you want to get good at this. And I remember that just firing me up because he, you know, he left the door open. He was like, you get better at this. This isn't very good right now, but I think you can get better at it. And I took the challenge. I was excited about it. You know, one thing I love about that, Brooks, is that constructive feedback is so important to me. And as a writer, because um, I've written books and outside of just doing a podcast. And I love for people to say, hey, you know what? There's room to grow because I know there's room to grow. And like I said, this is the beginning of my career in doing this. And there are so many people who have been doing this a lot longer and have more money, more backing, a lot of other things. But I'm like, I want to be authentic to where I am today. And as I progress in this career of doing this and helping and supporting all you guys, the artists and the many guests that have been on the show, I want to improve. So I love honest feedback. And I'll even critique myself. Like in the beginning, you guys of this podcast, hey, I fumbled a little. It's okay. I mean, I'm not perfect. And I think like that's why people love the show is that they want to see realness. They want to see people talking about issues that we all are experiencing, but also having a fun time laughing and moving forward. And I think that's what makes um, when you think of an artist that you want to follow, you want to know their their high and low points. I'll use an example. Beyonce is probably one of the only artists in the world who I've not really seen a huge mistake yet. And she's amazing at what she does. Um, but I think that's what we look for from her. But I know in the back of her mind, she probably goes back and like, oh man, I could have done that better. Or maybe it was better in rehearsals. 
but you know as artists and i consider myself as an artist with with what i give as far as this craft of the podcast is that we have to still be okay with the things that we are not okay with in the moment and just let it flow the way it needs to and being able to build genuine relationships like we had mentioned earlier and that's one thing brooks i've noticed with your music like one song i really love that you've done um let me feel can you kind of tell us about that yeah let me feel is uh it's a funny story actually with that one that one came out of left field really really random in the way that it came to be and in the way that it got recorded uh, I was in the middle of quarantine at the very, very beginning of, of the COVID thing in 2020 and really only hung out with about six people every day. It was the same six people and we all just kind of quarantined together at this one person's house. Um, and there was a bunch of relationship drama going down between a couple of the people inside of this friend group. And I just wrote that song about that dynamic from the outside in. I was just looking at what I saw going on in that relationship and played it for my buddy Tyler, who's featured on the song and who produced the song. And he loved it and asked me if he could record and, and release it with me. And we just did that in a matter of about three weeks. The song was written, recorded, and released very quickly. Uh, and it was just a quarantine song, just a little quarantine baby. Well, I had no idea it was written that quickly, but you would never know. Like I said, that's what I love about the magic of of producing and writing and, and recording that no one knows what really goes into that process, but it's a great song. And it kind of leads me into my next question, which kind of relates to Let Me Feel. If you could use one word to describe how you have felt in the last, I want to actually go back from 2019 when COVID started to 2021. What is one word that you could use to describe how you've been Man, <laughs> summing that into one word is difficult. Uh, I would say the, the best word I can think of is just noisy. It's, it's been a noisy couple of years. And I think, I think most people that I talk to feel that way too. There's just a lot of shouting about absolutely everything from all directions. And there's just no quiet. Nobody can get away from anything. Like, there's no such thing as a non-heated discussion, it feels like, especially on the internet. And so I think for me, you know, it's part of the reason that I do music is it's just an excuse to get away from making everything into a huge deal all the time. And just saying, let's just go focus on a smaller issue, like how I feel about this girl right now. I don't need to think about some big pressing issue all the time. And I, I just don't think we're built for that. And I think that's why we like retreating into stories and we like thinking about how we feel on a micro level because we don't want to sit around and mull about problems that we can't fix all the time. You know, that's just, we're not made for it. And the word I would think, I think it's a great answer, but I think of being overwhelmed. And that word for me kind of speaks volumes because I am, I have been overwhelmed with just emotions. I've been overwhelmed with stress. I've been overwhelmed with happiness, and I've been overwhelmed with with freedom to speak and share how I choose to speak and feel. And I do agree with you. There's so much that we have had to experience over the last two years, going now into three years, and there's so many different other things outside of just COVID that we have to just be conscious about 
And so I love this platform when I started Black Canvas. I wanted it to, to prove that we can, from different countries, different cities, different states, different backgrounds, we could all still find that common ground of sharing our experiences because our uniqueness is what makes us different. But it also shows us our human side and the heart that we have, that we can still care and love for others, even if we don't fully understand that person's journey. And so that's what I love about what you said. Hey, let's just laugh and talk about love, talk about friendship, talk about dating, talk about something lighthearted because we need those moments. And that's what I love about comedians. When you get to see them, you know, you can go to a, a comedy show, which I really miss going to. I love comedy shows, but you get that one moment where you get to just laugh and you don't have to think about the pressures of your job or, or the pressures of the world. You get to just be in that moment and express that feeling. And so I love that you share that, like your music, I think that's a great job of showing us that love and respect and just having a good time. Yeah, man. I, I think uh, art of all kinds, I'm also a big fan of comedy. It's a, uh, it's, we need it. It's essential. It's not a luxury in society. It's, it's a need in society. I agree 100%. All right. So I got a, this might be a little hard of a question, but I think you can handle this one. If you could give your 17-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you tell him? I would tell him to slow down. That's the easiest, uh, easiest advice I never took from anybody, and I wish I would have. Uh, it's probably been the biggest struggle for me over the last couple of years is just to understand that you can't really force anything to happen. The only thing that you can ever really do is prepare yourself better for what might happen, but you can't force anything. And I think I spent probably the the better half of the last six or seven years of my life just trying to force things that weren't going to happen, that weren't supposed to happen and missing out on a lot of life while I was doing that. And so I think if I could, if I could go back and get those six or seven years back and just slow down and, you know, smell the roses a little bit, I would. I really love that answer. I, my answer is a, a lot harder and I'm in a better place today. I can talk about it a lot more without getting as emotional as I normally would. Um, but it, it is hard for me to talk about my grandpa because I know we're getting very close. And I, I realize my body tells me that when I get close to the anniversary of his death and it's going to be next month. And it just gets harder sometimes to talk about with some people, but others I can kind of just share it. But with you and with my listeners, I've been able to, to deal with it a lot better. But um, he passed away when I was 17, and it was right before I graduated um, from high school. And I've mentioned it many times on the podcast before, but it, it definitely changed my life because he was my saving grace and, and supported me and loved me and, and helped he told me I can pretty much do anything I wanted. And he bought me my first suit and did a lot of things, like a lot of things that really stood out to me, things that I always needed. Um, and he was always there and just feeling as though I knew that something was off and he wasn't in the right headspace. And I felt he was going to leave me sooner than later. And the day before he passed, I just had like this, this terrible premonition and thought that he wasn't going to make it. And then the next day he passed it just really just, it stuck with me for so long. Cause there were so many things I wish I had said um, while he was physically there, but I've said since, you know, and I've worked through a lot of it, but it's just one of those things. You just never forget those moments and those people 
And I know that if he was physically sitting here with me, he would just be smiling and grinning and, and just being so happy that I've been able to do something that he wasn't afforded the opportunity to have, which was uh, a education, going to college. But he was successful in other ways and did so much for not only other African-Americans, but just for many people in general in New Orleans. And so people who know Frank Alex Davis, they know how amazing of a guy he was. And I, and I just am so grateful to have come from that lineage of what he gave me and that I can pay it forward, you know, in his memory. So yeah, 17 was a hard year for me. Um, it led me to a lot of negative choices the next year. And that really impacted my life for, to where I am today. But I learned from those experiences. And, and so I, I will say 17 is when I had to grow up um, <laughs> faster than I thought I would, but it definitely was a, it was a hard year. Mm. Well, I can tell just by the way that you speak about him that he was a special man, even without knowing him. That's that right there. I know that was impromptu. That's a beautiful tribute to your grandfather, man. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. My grandpa was always a guy that just wanted to make you laugh. And he just never met a stranger. He was always a person that had a very strong spiritual belief system that he stood by. And he made many mistakes. And anyone who knows him knows he owned up to it. But he made sure before he passed that he was able, he was able to right the wrongs and, and be able to talk about the things that he, he struggled with. And he gave me a lot of gems and of pieces of information that he learned along the way that I even use today in my own profession as a counselor, I use some of the same terms that he would tell me and, and use it in groups. And, you know, one thing he would always say, it's not what people call you, it's what you answer to. And that was a phrase that always stands out to me. Is that, Whoa, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I never knew. Like, at that time, I was like, what, the, what does that mean? But it made a whole lot of sense, you know, as you grow up and you go through, you know, struggles and bullying and negative things. And he was just like, you know what? If you breathe life into what other people are saying, then part of it is true. But if you know who you are and you know what you're working toward and, and what you want to present to the world, then that is who you are. And that's how you can be portrayed. And, and so just being around someone with such wisdom and such knowledge and being able to use what he's given me to give back to others has just truly impacted me as a human being. Mm, I love that, man. That's beautiful. I really appreciate that. So I have... Two more questions for you, and I thought this might be really good to end off on these two. So the first one is, what is one of your biggest pet peeves that you struggle with that either other people do? Oh, man, this sounds so small, um, but I think my biggest pet peeve is anything in my sink ever. I don't know why. And I talk to my roommates all the time about it. And the funny thing is I'm guilty of it myself. And I have a theory that our biggest pet peeves have something to do with us not liking something about ourselves. <laughs> but whenever I see literally anything in my sink, in my kitchen, it just bothers me in a way I don't even know how to describe. I don't know what it is, even if it's something I left there. So something about my sink, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve. Well, I'm going to tell you mine. My biggest pet peeve is someone giving advice unsolicited. I mean, it's something about that. And I had a whole lunch talking to a friend about that today. My gosh. Man, I'm reading your mind. Okay. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that, I like to say things that people are thinking or, or just went through. So that's weird. But I just told you, I'm like, sometimes I can feel stuff. I'm like, I can feel an energy and I'm like, I will hit it head on. 
but yeah, that's, that's something for me that I, I have an issue with because I'm a, a counselor full time. And so I give suggestions, but I don't give advice. And we have to be very careful because when you advise someone, then you're legally responsible for what you're saying. And then if you're not really sure what's the truth or what's false and what's being shared, and you can get yourself in a big situation. So I think like when someone is just literally, you know, just telling you, this is how you should do this, or this is what worked for me, you know, then you're taking away that person's experience to learn and grow and learn from their own mistakes, but also that they may have something that works for them that actually will help them and they may not need that. So I always tell my clients, as well as I tell my friends, is there's a difference between venting and asking for advice. And when you vent to someone, you need to let them know or ask them before letting them know if this is an appropriate time to discuss this and do you have enough time for me to let go and share? I'm not asking you to advise me, but I just want to vent right now. And so being in that right emotional place with someone to give them the, the freedom to talk, but also the freedom to listen and vice versa, I think is very important and key in conversation. That's so huge, man. Just coming out the gate and selling somebody like ahead of time. This is a vent session and please don't give me advice. I know you love me, but but I don't need it. That's a, that's huge. That could be a game changer. It really can. And even like in your career as a musician, because you may have someone advising you, hey, this is what I think you need to do for this. And this is what I think. And this is how long it's going to take. But you may already have a vision that's completely different than someone else's. And I think it's good to, to I always say thank you for your consideration or thank you for your, your suggestion. Um, and if I'm ever late for something, the best way to handle this, and this might be something you can steal, is if you're ever late for, for an event or something, you tell someone, thank you for waiting for me, you know, or, or making time to wait. Because then that way, you're not apologizing, you know, in a way where it can be disingenuous. But when you tell someone, thank you for waiting for me, then you give them an the opportunity to know that that meeting was important. And I think that might be helpful for you, you know, something that's helped me. Man, you don't even know you're preaching right now. Am I hitting you where you where you? Oh <laughs> man, you're hitting you hit me right where I need to be told some things. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, Brooks is like, hey, I didn't come here for a counseling session. But I'm getting what I need. What? <laughs> hey man, I'll take it. I'm I'm thrilled about it. Okay, cool. All right, so Brooks, the last question I have for you. This is kind of a two parter, but can you tell our listeners where can they find you online and that's your social media handles as well as YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. Letting them know, and then the second part is what's next for you so we know what to look for and follow you on um, moving forward in your music. Yeah, the uh, so the first part of that, as far as where you can find me, uh, to sum it all up in the easiest way, you can go to brookshuntley.com that has links to every single one of my socials. Uh, the place that I spend the most amount of time is going to be Instagram for sure. That's Brooks Huntley Official on Instagram. And then TikTok as well, which is going to be Brooks Huntley at Brooks Huntley. Uh, so yeah, those are the two spots I'll spend the most time. If you're interested in, in checking out my YouTube or my Facebook or anything like that, go to brookshuntley.com. There's links at the bottom of the page for everything. As far as uh, new music and, and what's coming next, all I can say right now is that I have some really big plans and I think they're going to start to shape up here in the next few months. I don't know when, I don't know how uh, exactly yet, but these plans are starting to shape up. And there will be at least a significant amount of music recorded this year and then hopefully released in the second half of the year. Um, 
so we're putting the plans together. We've been writing a lot of songs, uh, myself and a lot of my co-writers here in Nashville. And my uh, request to y'all is just dig into the stuff that you have. Keep up with me on Instagram. I'll keep posting some uh, some fun covers as well as some snippets of some new songs to keep y'all uh, engaged a little bit and in on the uh, on the process. But hold tight because there's a lot of music coming. Well, I'm holding on because, you know, I love your music and I would love to have you back hopefully very soon to kind of sing some of your music that's already been released or some covers on Space Between the second podcast. I would love to have you back soon if you're interested. For sure. Yeah, man, there's nothing I like doing more than playing live music. So I would love to be on. So we're going to I'm going to get with him, you guys. So Brooks will be back very soon. So, Brooks, I might get with you maybe in the month of February, March, and we can kind of see where you're at with your schedule. We would love to have you sing. And that way the listeners can hear how amazing you are live, just as amazing as you are on your records as well. Yeah, I would love that, man. Please reach out. I will. I will. And thank you so much, Brooks, for being a part of Black Canvas. And let's remember, you guys, to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, we appreciate you, Brooks. And I've had an amazing time getting to know you, talking with you. He's going to hopefully be one of my good friends moving forward. We're so proud of you and just continue to do what you've been doing. Can't thank you enough, man. I'm so appreciative for you having me on this uh, today. Oh, anytime, man. You continue to keep putting out that great music and we'll be waiting intently and we're going to support you. Thank you, brother. All right, you have a great night. You do the same, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh.